Welcome to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay, where we discuss growth strategies both for business and a personal perspective, discussing all kinds of businesses, growth strategies, technology, investment strategy, and much more. We are meeting with entrepreneurs, investors, app developers, and property developers. Our vision is to help 10,000 business owners grow their businesses. Introducing our host, Matt Lindsay. Matt is a former banker and corporate financier. He now spends his time building his own companies organically and through acquisition, as well as raising capital for other businesses. Matt works with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and investors. Hi, and welcome to The Growth Show. Today's guest is Charlotte Edwards, who goes by the handle of Accidental Female Developer. So welcome, Charlotte. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really happy to to be talking to you today. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, So I've followed your Instagram for, I don't know, six, six to 12 months, I think. And during that time, I've been quite impressed with your journey of building out lots of lots of properties and so yeah I reached out to you we've never really spoken before this um, and yeah I was just interested to see that that kind of journey and I think the the growth show by way of context and background for me has always been about giving people inspiration to go and achieve the things that they wanted to go and do and for me I I, kind of like that narrative of yeah, a female, accidental female developer. There's not like that many women in property. Um, and yeah, I was really impressed with not only the, 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 the great developments that you, you, you seem to be undertaking, but also how you've kind of positioned yourself in that. So yeah, I thought that kind of narrative and from a, from a marketing perspective, how you've positioned yourself was quite interesting. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about that today. But before we get into all that, first things first. So, what, what was your what was your background? How how did you, you know you, you you grew up in the in the Midlands? Is that is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Shropshire, pretty sleepy sleepy town. Um, never really moved away for very long, so I've all, kind of always lived around here. Sure. Um, probably like not not really a lot of job prospects around. Um, I ended up going to uni, I did a business degree. Okay. Um, and yeah and then just started working in marketing and PR various sort of in-house roles and um for a a few sort of big corporate corporates as well um and that's what I did for 15 years until I got into property okay and that that was by accident or it was yes yes okay (laughs) after my handle yes it was by accident (laughs) do you want me to dive straight into it (laughs) <laughs> please please yeah yeah keep, you know we, we won't hold the suspense for too much longer <laughs> <laughs> okay well um it was um my my dad and my brother both ran a property development business they did it together okay um, and they did that for well my dad had been doing it for 30 years okay my brother recently joined him uh, and then at the age of 28 um found out he'd got cancer Oh, no. my brother and um passed away a few months later right uh, so it's very sudden bit of a shock um and then within a couple of months after that my dad had also passed away with cancer so oh my god that's horrendous 
yeah and we were all very close that like we all lived like next door to each other we were in and out of each other's house you know we were a very close family so that was very difficult um but I suppose what added to that pressure as well is that they had um unfinished business if you like they had bought a um field with planning permission for 25 houses right uh, bank financed and that was yeah that was kind of what what me and my mum were left with to um to manage really and and mm. to deal with and hence I accidentally fell in I had to learn how to build houses basically I had to learn how to build them this was post Brexit this is the end of 2019 so this was post Brexit right. pre-COVID right we were just about to fall into COVID right okay so wow I mean that must be yeah from a personal perspective a really challenging thing to get through um from an emotional perspective but also yeah that kind of daunting feeling of how do I do this mm, yeah exactly <laughs> so, so so the next question is quite obvious how did you do it <laughs> <laughs> um with great difficulty actually because um I don't know if you remember but the uh, kind of the construction industry all, all but shut down over yeah. COVID and, uh, although although the government advice was for construction to carry on yeah. um of course all the builders merchants shut so uh, it wasn't so easy to do. Um, yeah, I, I tried to um, kind of being from the education background, you know, I thought of, I valued my education. I thought, you know, I'm just going to, I'm sure there's a course that I can do in this. I'm sure there's a course that will teach me how to build houses. It'll be fine. Sure. I'll, I'll find one. I found up all the local like technical colleges and kind of like building, you know, CITB, that kind of the construction industry bodies. None of them had let me on the course because I hadn't got any experience. I explained my situation. I said, look, I've got to build 25 houses. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I need some sort of instruction. Um, sorry, you need six months experience. Come back when you've got six months experience. <laughs> so, right. Okay. Um, so um, I kind of, I just taught, so I taught myself. So I just, I went on site every day in my uh, steel toe cap boots. Well, that was another, that was another issue. I, I couldn't even get a pair of steel toe cat boots in like I'm a size five just a women's size you know I mean I had to like order them off some obscure company on the internet like the, the shops that you can walk in they don't even do women's wear women's site wear so uh, once I'd managed to get myself kitted out then I was on site every day um kind of learning and, and asking a lot of questions and that's when I turned to social media as well actually and and podcasts and YouTube and Instagram and, and learning off what other people were doing because when lockdown came obviously you couldn't socialize you couldn't meet up with people so I was doing all my learning and, and communicating online sure and have you in 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 the past faced kind of resilient you know situations where you require such resilience as this in your kind of professional career or was this the first time that the chips were you know really against you and you you had to kind of yeah do everything that you possibly can to get through it no, I've, I've just had such like a nice, easy life. Honestly, I've just, you know, I was happy with what I was doing. And, and actually, it, I needed a bit of a shake up because I was sort of earning my money and then spending it all on, on sort of bags and shoes and holidays. So that it wasn't the like there was no long term plan there. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I was comfortable and and whatever else. Um, I'm a single mum as well. So I've got two kids. But, you know, so that was that's a bit of a challenge. But it's quite common these days There's a lot of, you know, couples who split and they, and they end up single parents and they still manage to work and 
whatever else so that that you know nothing nothing major like that was so this was the first um massive emotional um hurdle I faced and also yeah um business wise everything just yeah a massive shift in mindset was required absolutely and yeah, so I, I guess it's it's one of those things that you don't want to kind of put the past behind because because quite often, you know, people try to create kind of separation between what's happened and what they're going to do in terms of, you know, moving forwards with things. And I guess because of the kind of, you know, it's your family, you don't you don't want to create that separation. So you want to kind of leave that legacy. So it's something positive as well, which, yeah, I can imagine that's quite a difficult thing to deal with. It is very difficult because, um, you know, they were big big shoes to fill literally mm. so I yeah and there was there's a sense of not wanting to let them down and I and, and it's it's strange because <laughs> when I would talk to my dad about oh you know like maybe I'll get into property one day and you know you'll need somebody to carry on the business out you know after you want to retire and things and he would just be like laugh it off like oh it's just not a place for you. like it's just not a place for women on a site on a development site like you just won't get on with it you know the people that you're working with like he's, he's like it just won't be for you you carry on doing what you're doing and I went okay <laughs> so, so I didn't know I didn't have a shoe in I didn't have any and, and my dad was old school like there were no spreadsheets and there wasn't even a computer there wasn't even an email address that it was <laughs> it was all in his head and on his mobile phone and, and so after he passed, all I had was this mobile phone with um, like a list of contacts. But luckily, it, next to each name, it would be like what they did. So it'd be like John, architect, Dave, plumber, right. Chris, builder. Like, so that, that's all I had was this mobile phone with this list of names and the, and the trades and who they were listed next to them, which thank God he did that. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have had a clue. So, so did you... You, you left your job at that point or were you I actually tried to I actually tried to do both right. so naively thought like how hard can this be um so I, I tried to do both but I I was I think I was gonna I was gonna have a, a breakdown so Absolutely. I just couldn't, couldn't do it because I'd be at my market I'd do be doing my marketing role and I'd be getting calls off the building site like where's this delivery what's happened here what should we do here and I was like my marketing clients I went oh I've got to go like I was always playing one off against the other I thought this just isn't going to work I've got to put everything into one of these things and it's got to be the development because just because the amount of finance that was riding against it um it had to be that and 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 just touching on that briefly I won't go into you know specifics of, of numbers etc but you know you, so basically you had a substantial loan from from a bank were, mm -hmm. were, that, were they supportive? What was their view of what was going on? You know what? I was so worried to tell them what was going on. Like, I, I, I didn't want to tell them what had happened. Um, but actually, when I did, they were really supportive. Um, and we had had weekly phone calls with them. And I was kind of doing, like, um, cost analysis and, you know, projections and things like that with them. Uh, very basic ones, because obviously I didn't really have much of a clue what I was doing, but I just wanted to reassure them that I did. Um, and yeah, it's really good. And actually, since since then, we've had, uh, so we're two years down the line now, but I've had conversations with him still. He's like, hey, do you want finance to do anything else? Do you want, you know, he's like, I've, it's all paid back now. And he's like, got full faith in me. So that's really good. So it, it turned out for the best. But as someone who never got into debt and like, even if I went £100 overdrawn in my current account, I would just, that would give me anxiety. So to take on something 
that was minus well, it was minus seven figures um <laughs> I, was, I had a few sleepless nights put it that way understandably yeah that's a that's a big big potentially a big big shock to the system absolutely and and yeah. so and in, in terms of that that particular project then where where were you so it was it just a piece of land and no building had started oh right wow okay it was a field, yeah it was a it was a farmer's field you know that, that was it right so literally from scratch like right what do we do first and luckily a few of the team from my dad's days had, had stuck around you know some didn't some were like mm, not sure I, I don't know what their reasons were for leaving but I would imagine they thought that perhaps the business wasn't going to continue or they didn't have faith in in me or the leadership or you know, I don't know I don't know but I, I don't know maybe I would have done the same thing if I was them <laughs> to be honest um but yeah we've you know made a good go of it and, and made a success of it so it's all worked out for the best got a really good team now um and that helps a lot okay and so so effectively you had a site that was consented for 25 you're yeah. at the point of did you have to go through the point at points with the council of getting you know if, if there were any reserve matters overturned and things like that or was it yeah yeah but what I've learned what I've learned to do now when I first started doing this I was trying to do everything myself so I'd be like trying to contact the council myself and do like one to save money two to learn and three just because I was feeling a bit of a control freak at the time sure. now what I've done is I've got some great planning consultants so I'm like hey can you sort out these reserve matters or um hey I think we can and what we did was we got an extra plot as well so it's now a site of 26 so right. we've managed it you know and just by working with other experts in the industry has actually helped me out a lot um just being able to leverage other people's kind of experience and knowledge and you know it, it pays back twofold that investment of in other people's expertise I think yeah absolutely no it's good advice and and in terms of how you physically went went through that build process as as, as you mentioned that was at the time of covid as well um so there was there was yeah basically the world world stopped for quite a long period of time price increases material shortages that, i mean that's basically as bad as you could possibly ever get it in terms of running a project right how how, how did that happen and work i know i was thinking like my dad would never if my dad was here he would never believe like all the hurdles that we've had to jump over to do this because he's never experienced any of that like he's never so we had yeah the, the great plaster shortage of 2020 and then we had the great cement shortage of 2021 we'll be telling our grandchildren about that one um <laughs> yeah we're just so many shortages and now you've got the increases the price increases of like you know timber 80 percent or something and continually emails i've had three emails this week of um I had I had one on Monday to say uh, blocks are going up seven percent, and then I had another email on Wednesday. Blocks are actually going to have to go up ten percent because the fuels increased again since our last email. So everything just continues going up, up, up. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I've not spoke to anyone who's experienced this in the industry before of these price increases. No, it it feels a bit like a kind of triple shock, really, in some ways, because obviously you've got the material costs, you've got the fuel prices, you've got you know obviously the situation um, with with Russia, etc., as well. So it's yeah, there's lots of different 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 things all at the same time. Which yeah, in my experience is yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty bad times. Um, okay, and 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 so you got through got through the twenty five. Um, I'm just 
finishing cool. the last two. Finishing oh, the last right. two. Right. So, so, we've so got so planning permission for an extra, right? right. So we've got planning for an extra. So now there's two to build. So yeah, just two more to, to finish. And, and, and obviously during the first lockdown, I mean, I, I, I used to do some financial analysis for some investors that I work with and Savills were, you know, should we say not being optimistic about pricing at that point in time. I remember they were talking about, you know, if the market's going to go down by 10 percent and you've yeah, got material yeah. co- material crossing costs increasing on, on the way through the development. So you, you must have been concerned about the exit. Um, I was and actually took the decision to sell off plan. Right. A year ago, which was, in hindsight, a mistake, right. because now, of course, you've got people who secured houses at 2021 prices and, and we're paying 2022 material costs to build those. So, yeah, luckily, because things are the way that I keep things are pretty small, um, our overheads are really minimal. We, like, we use subcontractors. We haven't really got um many employees just myself and my mum that are actually on the books as employees lots of subcontractors so we we tr- we keep costs down that way and like i do a lot of things myself i'm you know negotiate contracts looking for land do the marketing do every project management you know, i do a lot myself so that keeps costs down so i'm confident that we will make a profit but i can't tell you how much because the material costs go up every week right um and so it, it's you know it, it's it's a difficult one at the moment i don't know how to we're currently negotiating on a new piece of land and i honestly don't know how to um estimate what the build costs are going to be because today's estimate is not going to be the same in six months mm-hmm. yeah. so it, it is more risky i feel that it's ever been absolutely pricing projects well, and, and particularly because we've had, you know, obviously we've had a buoyant property market, right? So that that obviously keeps things afloat. But yeah, if if the if there was to be a reversal, and who knows, right? We we never know when that may or may not happen. But yeah, you you need to be obviously insulated from that, don't you? In the in in the, in the event that there is a, you know, I don't think it'd be a huge correction, but a potential correction. So yes, keeping keeping that margin in the deals is the most important thing, right? Buying well. Yeah. And well, I've also at the same time as kind of doing this development, what I did was because I wanted to protect myself and have an additional income, I set up a buy to let portfolio. So I set myself the target of doing 10 houses in 10 months. Right. BRRs, so buy, renovate, refinance, rent out. Yeah. Um, And I achieved that within 10 months. So I've got those 10 properties. And so I've got that passive income coming in. Now, if anything happens, you know, if there's a recession, if there's anything happens with the development where there's a gap between projects, there's no income, I feel safe and secure that I've got that buy to let portfolio that can that I can live off. Okay, that's really interesting. So, yeah, because I, th- I think quite often, if you if you are to go into a decent sized project, then obviously, you know, they, the windfalls can be substantial, um, it, you know, at, at, at the end of the project or on, on the way through when you get refinancing, etc. But obviously, yeah, that kind of recurring recurring cash flow to keep the kind of walls for the door, if you if you like, for want of a better phrase, is is kind of a, an important part of the process. So, did you decide to do that straight away, or was that once you got your head around the construction process? Well, I lived off a credit card for probably the first year, and I hated that instant feeling of like insecurity of not knowing. And because of COVID and everything, I was like, oh my God, are we ever gonna, are we gonna sell these houses? Are we gonna be able to, you know, because before I pay myself, I've got to pay 
or the subcontractors, the bank, everybody else. You know, you know, like when you're when you're the head of a business, that you're the last person to get paid. Sure. Right. So I didn't get paid until twelve months into the project, um, and I hated that feeling. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to carry on being a developer, it's it's money in and money out all the time, asset rich, cash poor. Mm. So I just wanted to create a buffer for that and have um, something that was paying me every month, regardless of what, where I was at develop, in a development stage, um, that I knew that I'd be getting a monthly income. Okay. And, and in terms of identifying that strategy, was that identified from the, the YouTubes and the other, other things, you know, the other media that, that you, you were consuming, or did you do, do a kind of formal training course on that? No, definitely. So I, I never even considered having a buy-to-let portfolio. I was too busy, like, spending money on handbags and shoes and things. <laughs> so I just thought, I just, and then when I started to educate myself, on how to build houses, I came across people with buy-to-let portfolios and all these different strategies and HMOs and serviced accommodation. And, um, you know, it opens your eyes to other options out there. And you think, well, hang on a minute, if I can build houses, which I never thought I'd be able to do, then I can easily build a buy-to-let portfolio. Like how much harder can it be? So that's what I did. Um, yeah, so I'm in for a penny, in for a pound, as I am, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to do that, then I can easily do the other thing on the side. Okay, and, and for somebody that's potentially considering dipping their toe into, into that world, it, it, you know, probably starting the other way around, because that's, you know, the more traditional way is do some buy-to-lets and kind of build up a portfolio of those and then do the developments afterwards. So you've kind of done that in reverse. Um, what What are the kind of takeaways of, you know, did you have a, I guess the question is, did you have a specific strategy that you were looking at in terms of the types of properties that you're buying? Or was it, you know, is it purely based on yield or demand? What what were the kind of drivers for the assets that you purchased on that side of things? Um, price. I was, right. I was looking for, I was looking for like maximum return. So I was looking, and you know, I don't know if it's the same in every area, but certainly in my area, you can pay 200 grand for a two bedroom house and it'll rent for 700 a month or i can pay 85 grand for a two bedroom house that will also rent for 700 pound a month so right you know it, it's that that's what i was going for i was going for that low end um seven like i think the cheapest place i bought was 60 uh, 60 60 grand for one bed apartment and then i got a three bed house 75 grand three bed semi 86 grand like I was just going in like I've got the right me filters set to you know price low to high and I was just going in at like the, the lowest point um and this was before the market went mad actually so this was right. you know, start of 2020 when everyone was a bit not sure what was going to happen um so there was a lot of bargains to be had um right now the way that the market is the same strategy just wouldn't work because they're, they're they just aren't those those 85 75 grand houses are now 125 mm. so you just wouldn't get the same returns on them now and, and were you looking for so it was a renovation play so your you know new carpets new flooring etc new kitchens bathrooms all, all the rest of it some of them some of them didn't even need much done like the one i bought for 86 grand like i i just repainted it that's all i did wow um and rented it out straight away 
it was, you know, with hindsight, I should have bought twice as many houses as what I did. But, you know, how was I to know the market was going to jump up like that? Sure, so, um, sure. yeah, it was a, it was a good it was a good time to get in. And, and you know, property's a cycle, right? So the cycle's going to come back around again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like my money's safer in property than what it is at the bank, in the bank at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, yeah, bricks and mortar. You know, the average I think is what doubles on price every every certain period of time over the last fifty six years. Yeah, over ten every ten years doubles in price. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you can get into crypto if, if you if you like if you've got a head for heights and you like the risk, but I prefer property. <laughs> No, it's uh, yeah, that's a that's a whole different conversation in a, a potentially murky world. But yeah, there's there's certainly there's there's some good gains to be made in there. That's for sure. <laughs> um, okay, and and in terms of that portfolio, then um, have, have you did you buy it in your own name or was it purchased in a limited company? How did you go about that? I did it in a limited company because I knew. I think I worked out that was it over five or six, then tax wise, it was more efficient to do that through a limited company. I think sure. the magic number was five. So less yeah. than five didn't make much difference, but more than five, definitely better in a limited company. Um, so, and, and that's what I did. And it's, it's, it's cleaner as well to keep it all within a, a different company name and yeah, have that separate bank account and things. It's, uh, it just works out better. And also the limited liability in terms of like insurance and, any future claims or anything like that it's, it's separate from me sure and, and and in terms of that kind of buying process so it, it, did you buy at auction or was it all 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 via agents and right move do you know i've never bought from auction so i was going on um i was just going on right move you know i didn't really know what i was doing so i was just going on right move and like looking at these houses and then i was going to view them and i was like i was just offering full asking price thought yeah that's cheap for a three because I knew how much houses cost to build at this point and I'm thinking well I can't build that house for 75 grand I can't build that house for 80 grand so it's definitely worth what they're asking for it paid it and luckily it all worked out because by the time the sale had actually completed the house had gone up in value anyway so I was still although I'd offered full asking price for it was still quids in by the time the sale had completed sure um, and, and then yeah, and then and then you obviously go through a renovation process, and and obviously then, then get a refinance on on those. Were, were you were you able to get your cash out, or not quite on 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 the refinance? Um, I did a couple of new builds to new build to rent. Right. So I bought the land, I built the house, I refinanced, and that they're definitely all money out plus profit deals. Right. Wow. But the actual the straightforward BRRs. Uh, no, although I'm, I'm actually getting a couple refinanced at the moment. So maybe, but I, I can't see that there'd be any all money out deals. Sure. No, I just don't think they exist at the moment unless you're very, very lucky. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, there's potential opportunities if it's a distress sale or something like that. But yeah, it's more, more, more difficult to, and and the reality is, you know, the, the kind of evictions and all that stuff hasn't really happened. So and I think, you know, that will that will obviously come at some point for those that, are, you know, haven't been paying their mortgages um, during, during COVID. OK. And, and, and in terms of your kind of outlook on things now, you, you, you've obviously mentioned that you you're you're buying additional plots. What, what's what's the kind of what's the game plan in terms of yeah, new, new sites that you're acquiring and going forward? What's what's the agenda? 
Um, so I just want to sort of keep my hand in a few different pies really within property. So I've, <laughs> I've got um, buy to let portfolio, which I've now got kind of a full time uh, guy working for me. That's just, I put in, you know, I buy a, a distressed house. I put him in it. He is a multi-scale builder that can do the whole thing. Right. So that'll carry on building my um, buy to let portfolio. And then on the development side, um, I work with my mum, so she does all the back office admin and things for me, all the customer facing stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I, I find the land and I project manage the, the development. So we've got, yeah, a couple of barns that we're negotiating on at the moment and then a farmyard site with three large detached houses on it and potential for four more at the back that we're going to go for planning for. So smaller than the 25 house projects, um but again it's slim pickings on the market at the moment and you've got to take what you can get sure and and, and for somebody that was considering moving into that kind of world what would be the kind of one key piece of advice that you would give them if they were looking at their first development plot you know with or without planning what what would your kind of piece of advice the takeaways for them Oh, just one piece of advice. If there's more than one, yeah, please, please continue. Okay, I got three. Okay, one, do get the knowledge, the experience, the just do do your homework. Uh, follow somebody that's doing what you want to do. Speak to them, learn from them, follow them around for a day, whatever. Two, be prepared to make sacrifices. I drove around in a Peugeot Bipper van for 12 months um, with like both of my kids strapped into a single seat on the front doing the school drops and everything because I couldn't afford to put petrol in my car. So be prepared to make sacrifices to make money in the long run. Like you've got to be prepared to go with that. And then three, mindset. If you don't believe that you can do it, then you won't do it. Like you've got to get up every day and believe that actually I'm doing a good job. I can do this. And, and it was for me, it was that mindset changing that turned everything around for me. I went from going thinking this is overwhelming. I'm not going to be able to do this to knowing that I could do it. So, yeah, that, that's my three. And how did you make that mindset shift then? Because that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing. They're complicated projects. There's lots of moving parts. You've got, you know, money that's owed. You've got to control, you know, sometimes difficult builders. You know, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of moving parts. So how, how do you get yourself, you know, from, from your perspective, what, what did you do to kind of create that resilience and determination? things really I actually had a weekly therapy session okay which was great for like getting um unpicking any kind of past traumas that might be like inhibiting my future success so that that was really that contributed a lot um and then just I guess connecting with other people who were doing the same thing as me so I could see that it could be done because they were doing it um and then reading as well like reading about other people like uh, you know inspirational books inspirational stories of people that have achieved great things and um yeah i guess it was those three things really that that um slowly built up together to change that mindset and um achieve yeah well it's, it's, it's certainly certainly a huge success particularly given the um yeah the kind of unfortunate circumstances that led to led to it starting and and in terms of those books is there what 
is there any takeaways there any any particular favorites that you would be recommending to our listeners and viewers um ooh, you've got um rich dad poor dad but every like it's a bit of a cliche that everybody suggests that book but that's yeah. one i started with robert kiyosaki um i'm reading one by david goggins at the moment can't hurt me oh yeah it's really good like that is really good i wish i'd have read that like 12 months ago but um yeah that that's a really good one that i'm reading at the moment um on oh, stephen bartlett happy sex the millionaire okay i haven't read that he's i'll got, check that out he's got, he's got a fantastic story so yeah few few to recommend there okay and, and in terms of um kind of from a health perspective obviously going through covid and so on and so forth did you do you, do you you know do you work out how do you keep yourself kind of you know fit and focused because yeah, from a personal perspective, I find that if I'm, you know, not having my kind of morning workout, I'm not as productive and, you know, as 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 motivated. Um, is, is that the same for yourself? And and yeah, what do you do to to kind of enable that side of things? Well, I've been a bit bad lately, actually, because <laughs> I used to. So I was last year, all last year, I was getting up seven o'clock in the morning. I'd do a five k run, I'd come back, get ready for work, like I'd be in the zone, be in great mindset. And since Christmas, I've just been a bit lazy and I, I haven't really been doing it. It's been a bit cold, so I haven't been doing it, but I do need to. This is why I'm reading David Goggins' book now, Can't, um, Can't Hurt Me, because I'm thinking this is going to get me in the mindset of like, he's doing these, you know, 100 mile ultra marathons. All I need to do is 5K, like just trying to get myself in the zone. <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's it, it yeah when when, the, when it's when it's cold and raining outside it's less appealing than yeah middle of the summer for sure I'm a, I'm a fair weather runner so I actually hate running but I love the feeling afterwards I actually hate it when I'm doing it and like I just oh no I'm not like a natural runner at all but I love the lift that it gives me afterwards absolutely yeah no no it's, it's uh yeah the the um the reward can be good, um, and 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 in terms of the the some of the mistakes that you made, because obviously doing these things for the first time, what what do you think the biggest mistake was during during that you know particularly that large large development? Um, probably trying to do everything myself. Right. So you know, I'd turn up in the rubber gloves ready to clean, or I'd be unloading lorries. I'd be you know I was trying to do everything on the site um, and now I've been able to put people in place because when I used to see my dad like it seemed like my dad was doing all these things himself you know it seemed like that's what he was doing like he was just here there everywhere like doing everything um so I tried to kind of replicate that but you know what like I don't have those physical I don't have that physical strength to do the physical work I don't have the technical knowledge to, you know, he'd just like, oh, that needs siliconing. I'll run a bead of silicon. Like, I can't do that. I don't have the skills. So it's been, yeah, trying to do everything myself, but now leveraging other people's um, time and expertise, really, to, to, which frees me up to kind of take more of an overview and look at and be a director or a CEO rather than, you know, the cleaner the caretaker, the delivery person. Yeah. So just just trying to stop doing everything and stop being such a control freak. Sure. Okay. And and, and in terms of the um 
biggest success from 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 your side? What was was that the completion or, or, or almost completion of the, of that scheme? Is is that what you feel or? I feel like it was paying back that loan, getting into profit, um, getting the next deal, which is almost over the line. Um, and just having credibility as well in the industry, because as a woman in a male dominated environment, it was, and, and because I had no experience, it was difficult to be taken seriously and to be credible. So mm. that's a big win for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, what, what you've done is kind of testament to your resilience, as I, as I said earlier. Um, okay, so in terms of the, the, the projects now, so you've got the, you've got the bonds, um, you've got, so how many, at, at any one time, are you looking at lots of things or how, what's that kind of process for new projects when you're, when you're evaluating them? How, how do you go through that process? Um, I look at it geographically, first of all, so I only look for things within kind of a half hour commute because like quality of life is important to me. So I don't want to be driving for an hour and also I've got a team in this area, so I don't, you know, I don't want to lose that team. And I know that they probably aren't going to want to, they don't need to travel, right? Because skills are in demand. They can get a job like up the road. So to keep that team, I try and keep the, um, the new projects local. Sure. Um, so that's the first thing. And then I'm looking at, um, is this a project that I can get excited about? Is it something I'm going to enjoy doing? So for example, I'm looking at some listed barns. Well, like listed, a lot of people wouldn't want to touch, but I didn't think I could build 25, 26 houses before two years ago. So I'll, I'll happily take on listed barns. What's, you know, <laughs> I feel like I could take on anything now. Um, so yeah, and that's they're just up the road. So that, that's a nice, easy project. Um, I've got the team in place already. So that's great. Um, so yeah, it's not necessarily what I can make the most money on because I could make more money if I went further afield, right? If I if I went an hour away, two hours away, I'm sure I could find better deals. Um, but it's about lifestyle as well. And it's about not having long commutes and keeping the same team together. Absolutely. And you, you've mentioned that a couple of times. I think, yeah, that that kind of building, building that team of good quality trades who you can trust is, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a key part of this process, isn't it? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and, and what advice would you be? What what kind of characteristics do you look out for in in the in that team? Is it is there a, you know is there anything particularly that that you look for um, if you're you know looking for a new whatever trade it might be? Just um, people who are dead keen, you know, dead keen to learn. Like people like myself who are like looking to progress, and people who I think could take over and be like a site manager or um you know people who take real pride in what they do Mm -hmm. so some people who just do what they do because it's you know they just earn money and and that's what they they're just there to to get paid and there's some people who love what they do and they're really passionate about what they do and they bring an atmosphere to um, a site that lifts everybody else up and they're the kind of people that it's always good to have you're not going to get everybody that, that kind of person, but if you can get a few, it really has an impact on the rest. Absolutely. Yeah, it kind of creates a, a good working environment and get a bit more productivity out of the guys and they don't mind going that kind of extra step when, yeah, when you know, when something does go wrong, which it inevitably does on that process, right? 
Yeah, sure. It's just, it's just having a good atmosphere. And, and if you've got a good atmosphere, people want to come to work and they want to stay there and they want to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess I would imagine you're probably getting referrals from the existing guys, you know, paying people on time as well as always, as, as we both oh, know, is re really important well, to keep that, just, keep that motivation. Yeah. That's just the bare minimum is just, you know, pay them every week on time. Um, yeah. That, and, and same with suppliers. Same with supplies, you know, during COVID during, or, or during like the materials shortages, we didn't have a problem getting materials because we always paid on time. So whenever a shipment of cement came in, they'd be like, they'd be on the phone to us first because they knew we'd be paying for it that week. So, you know, stuff like that does really help. And, and in terms of how you are forecasting, because you, you touched on this earlier, so um, materials costs are, you know, nobody knows where they're going to end up, right? So how do you forecast for that on, you know, new projects that you're looking to take on? Because obviously, yeah, is, is there an upper limit that you would put in there? And obviously that then impacts the profitability of the scheme if you go too high and it potentially makes it unviable. So how, how, do, you, how do you work out those forecasts? Um, well, for example, the site that I'm taking on, uh, that I'm hoping to get over the line, um, we're having to just be a bit more creative about how we are adding money onto, onto the profit, basically. So, um, rather than selling off plan for discounts, which traditionally, um, with my dad's business, that's what he's always done. He sold off plan. You get the house cheaper, blah. We're actually going the opposite. We're finishing the house completely specking it out really high and then being able to charge more for that property right so that counteracts a little bit any increase in materials cost because whatever those materials are costing i'm adding it on at the end okay. um the problem i you know I, I i costed this project out six months ago well i know that those costings aren't even valid anymore because every week every fortnight i'm getting emails about price increases price increases and i don't think they'll ever come down once once they've reached a certain level i can't see anybody ever dropping their prices so um yeah good i keep good relationships with suppliers I've got one supplier that i have a really good relationship with um yeah and, and um that's it really and yeah so good relationship with suppliers and adding more money on at the end of the project in terms of the finish making it much higher spec so you know as well things like instead of one thing my dad always did it was white pvc windows and doors you know that that kind of thing it was the the typical new build estate type house i'm just looking at lifting it so you know having the nice windows the nice doors the nice finishes and then being able to charge for that so something more bespoke folk i think rather yeah. than trying to beat the the market just offer something better than the, the the general market okay and and obviously that then commands a premium but you're not necessarily by having to pay the same premium for the for the materials as, as you're receiving for the for the finished product so you're kind of creating a bit of an arbitrage on that Absolutely. And attracting a slightly different market as well. So rather than sort of attracting sort of your bargain hunters who are looking for an off plan house and they're not having any extras on it because they're already at the top of their budget, you're now attracting a market that don't mind paying for the granite. They're going to pay for the granite worktops and they're going to pay for the double ovens and the built in microwaves and the built in coffee machines. And you're attracting a market who's got the money to pay for those 
extras that you're not able to put in on a bog standard new build off plan yeah sure. so it's just, it's just about you know the same house you can create more value out of it yeah no absolutely absolutely and i guess the key part is is as ever is buying well so yeah what what kind of what kind of margins do you look for if it's are you looking at land without planning or or is it is it always no, always always with consent yeah right okay. um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't like I don't like the risk of buying without planning, and I <laughs> I don't trust. I don't, like I have no faith in our planning system, so I just it's safer all around. Just to I'd rather take a smaller profit and not have the hassle of trying to get something through planning. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, I've yeah, I've got some experience of of taking things through planning, and I don't really like the construction side of things, so I'm kind of the opposite way around. But yeah, yeah it's it's understanding the risks of the of the you know the, the process that you're involved in, um, and yeah, as you say, the planning system has its certainly has its flaws. So yeah, there can be challenges with you know, and particularly if you've got a deadline for something, it makes it very difficult if you've only got a certain period of time to achieve planning in or whatever. It it, it can be. It can be tricky but yeah you can end up stuck in a stuck in a bit of a, a difficult situation so interesting and, and in yeah, terms I mean, of just example, to get that extra plot to get the 26th plot it took 10 months in planning just no no objections just one additional plot you know there was no issues with it um yeah and 10 10 months so if I was relying on that as a strategy to keep the business going in terms of like applying for planning on, on land, I just, I just think I'd give up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just don't think I'd have no trades left because you'd be constantly waiting for planning permission and, and keeping that pipeline going. I just, yeah, it's not, it's not worth it to me. I'd rather pay more for something with planning sure. and keep going and not have the hassle of dealing with the planning people. Okay. And, and in terms of the kind of margins that you look for on a site, is it, you know, obviously banks are looking for kind of 20, 25% margin on cost. Is, is that, is that, is that the kind yeah. of ballpark? Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't do it for any less than that. Um, yeah. That, that's exactly what I look for. 20, 25%. Okay. And, and then obviously you try and achieve a premium on the exit with the, yeah, but you know, the, the, the kind of good, mm. better quality materials and, and not yeah. nice well, bespoke finish. That's, I mean, that's something new that we're going to try with this this next project, but it's not something that we've had to do before. But with the cost of materials going up, mm. it's just something that will counteract that slightly. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, look, it's been really interesting learning about some of your journey, and so, so what what do you think the future holds? Where you know where will we see your name up in lights in the future? You've been on the front of okay. magazines so far. You know, are you going to be at the National Property Awards, or you know, what what where, where do you see it going? I don't know really. I just keep getting asked to, to do these things and I keep saying yes. <laughs> I, suppose, I don't know where it's going to go really. I mean, I never thought I'd be on a podcast talking about property. I, in fact, I used to be the person who set this up for other people. I used to do PR and marketing for other people. So um, I'm, yeah, the roles are reversed. Um, I hope to, I want to keep doing property. I enjoy it. I like it. Um, yeah, and just see and see where it goes. Really, it's whatever opportunities come my way, I'll grab with both hands and embrace it and see where it takes me. Awesome. And uh, in terms of where where we can find you, um, yeah, do you want to drop websites and 
handles for Instagram and Twitter, etc. Listen, I'm so busy. I only have time to do one thing and that's Instagram. <laughs> so I'm at accidental female developer on Instagram. So yeah, follow me there and send me a message. <laughs> okay, that's that's perfect. And uh, yeah, no doubt, you know, in the, in, as, as this progresses, you'll become like the Gary V of uh, developments and have, have your, <laughs> your, your squad following you around recording your every move. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. But no, it, Charlotte, I really appreciate your time. It's very interesting to learn about your journey. Um, and yeah, ho ho hopefully this was worthwhile for you and, and for our listeners as well. But yeah. No, I really well. enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay. Please like our podcast and subscribe today.